podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Final score at Pataudry, Celtic won, Aberdeen won, and you know, if the Celtic board weren't under pressure already, they are now. First game back after a puzzling January transfer window and Celtic drop points. Obviously, there's a whole lot more at play, but that does not help. This is Tino with the Final Whistle Show, joined here by Brido. Brido, your initial response to the draw? I can't say I'm surprised with all the stuff been going on. A lot of negative energy and um, Aberdeen's we've always had good results there, but they're, you know they're not a bad team. It's a team full of good quality players for our, our domestic league. Um, and if they got their act together, then it would be quite a, a tough a tough game. And that's exactly what happened. Pretty much more at half time than anything else. But just uh, you hate being in that position where you say, "Oh, I told you so." If you were to have the Celtic board in front of you, because that would then mean we're not winning. You know, because we're saying, oh, but I told you so. Just, just not good enough, man. Just, just die. Nah, <clears throat> not happy at all. No. Is it is it easy and lazy for me to say that because you don't strengthen... So, starting with Alessandro Burnaby, who, who was fine, right? But starting with Alessandro Burnaby, it, it lacks quality, right? So, it means you've only got 11 positions in football, 10 of them outfield. So, one of your 10 isn't of the required standard. So he's not doing much wrong, but the other argument is he's not doing much right. And if you've got weaknesses in, in any key areas, you're going to suffer. And, you know, if you know your left back's not great, does your centre half have to come over and cover for him in different things? You know, it's not just the player himself, it's the knock-on benefits. And as as I say, is it just easy and lazy for me to say failure to strengthen key areas is already coming back to bite us? I suppose somebody will say time will tell, but... It- Time's already started. The clock's started again today, and uh, and it has told. You know, it's glaringly obvious. Um, look at the goal we lost. You know, we'll probably come to that, but well, I don't think it's lazy to see. I mean, I just think it's so glaringly obvious that that's it. We don't strengthen. I mean, we'll talk about it to our blue in the face. It's like the left back situation hasn't been sorted since Kieran Tierney left. Let's be honest. We've had all sorts in there. And that's not just one position. We knew that Joe Hart was probably needing replaced. We didn't address it in the summer. He looked awful today, Joe Hart, but then he made two big saves. And I, I kind of, there's always that argument, like, is he good enough domestically? But I don't know whether we, we've got expectancy levels and the board have different ones. But for me, like it's just being okay and just being just good enough isn't good enough. They were never going. Celtic and Celtic have always been battling Rangers, and in the last twenty years, it's been pretty much Celtic. I've always been the top team. So how do you progress? So saying domestically, we've done really well. That's not good enough anymore. It's just not. It's, it's rubbish. You've said that the, you know, maybe the expectation levels from the board differ from the supporters. It's also the the levels of ambition. Bang on your point there, Brido. Domestic stuff's great and it's not being entitled or complacent given Celtic have won whatever it is, 12 out of the last 13. That, that's great and we've enjoyed those successes. But what's next? You know, as they say, if you stand still, you're going back the way and Celtic are certainly standing still at a push just now and you could argue we've come out the window weaker. Um, you've mentioned the left-back scenario here in Tierney 
And it's not in jest, you know, whether it's Greg Taylor, Ball and Goalie, Diego Laxalt, Alessandro Bernabe. Over the piece, there's been serious failings for a number of years there. So you can't put it all on Mark Lowell, actually. It's a, it's a mentality within the club. Is this going to cost us a couple of quid? Better not do it. Better not do it. And lo and behold, you get a situation today that folks could have predicted, you know, again, potentially in jest. You better believe Mayowski's going to score against us on Saturday lunchtime. And he does, and that just throws it right back in your face because you can't tell me he wouldn't have improved Celtic, Brido. Got an eye for goal, holds it up really well, works really hard for his team, talented, young, room to improve. Yes, it's maybe easy to scout somebody that's on your doorstep, but you've got to debate. He would have improved Celtic at this moment in time, wouldn't he? Absolutely, no question. I mean, I think I've been talking about him for since last season. So he's got the numbers domestically. So there's no real risk factor there. He's not crazy through the roof price. He meets the age requirements that we seem to have as a club in our signings. He would then hopefully then develop and become a player that we sell on for a, a, a reasonable bit of money. He plays international football. I just don't... I mean, did we approach them? Did we not? But there should be no surprise that that guy scores against the defence as weak as ours at times. I mean, absolutely no surprise whatsoever. Aberdeen were a good, solid team. But see if they didn't have him up front. He's the he's the quality. He's the X factor. Yeah. Without him today, and not obviously because he scored the goal, but who, they they can't replace him with a like for like. They just won't be able to do it. And I just such an opportunity missed. And I don't buy a lot of the stuff. Or you know, it's difficult to get players in in the January window. Yeah, okay, but, but the January's not January's at the same time every year. <laughs> January doesn't move and we've we've done it in the past and the left back situation has been a situation for a lot longer than one January over the summers and we've had other Januaries and to continue to not get it right I just find it just absolutely amazes me how inept that people who are picking those players are like, it just it doesn't add up it just doesn't add up and, and the next one we're going to have is the goalkeeper, because that seems to be going the same way. And it's all because we don't want to invest in a different bracket of player. It's just... It, I've got no explanation other than what I've just said about the left-back position. And ultimately, it's a squad game. <laughs> I've, I've got my views on Greg Taylor, and I think Greg Taylor is a good, honest player, and he has a level of football, and sometimes he surpasses it and sometimes he goes beneath it, but his average is okay as a sub-left-back for Celtic that would come in and do a job like Ralston does at right-back. We are now pining for him to come back. That's it. That's the state of the play that we're in just now, that we're pining for Greg Taylor to come back after watching the last couple of performances in that position. It's just embarrassing. Do you know it's madness and you're right? I'd bite your hand off for Greg Taylor right now because at least you know what you're getting a decent, steady level of performance. I don't think Celtic move forward with Greg Taylor, but he's the best we've got at this moment in time and, and we can't call upon him. You're bang on with January. Uh, it's every January time, just after December, just before February. There's no surprises there and you've got to question the lack of forward planning. You'll have seen the quote from Brendan Rodgers, you know, and paraphrasing here, but he basically indicated when speaking to the press yesterday that he kind of wishes that the club had pushed the boat out in the same way as the fans wish. You know, these two, three million pound signings, some of which come good, some of them just disappear. When are we going to push the boat out and do the four, 46 million bracket or six million plus bracket? Same old, same old. 
And as I say, it's glaring obvious just now. And obviously, we're coming on in a, a reactionary basis here. But the first opportunity after the window, you drop points and it's staring you right in the face. Brian, I'll go back the way uh, to the lineup just to get your kind of general thoughts on it. So, as follows for anyone that didn't catch it Joe Hart and goals, back four of Johnson right back, Burnaby left back, Skills and the Brocky in the centre. You then get that midfield three, which we've gone with for a number of weeks now McGregor, O'Reilly, Bernardo. And up top, Kyogo, Abada, and Palma. Is that the best 11 that Brendan Rodgers could call upon at this moment in time? I don't think it's far away, which tells you exactly where we are. Um, yeah, I mean, the argument could be that Burnaby offers, has, has never offered anything, so why put him in? You could put Ralston in there like he did later on in the game, or he could put Scales to left back and play Welsh and Navrotsky. I mean, but then again, you're maybe moving a few positions, so maybe he's thought keep a bit of continuity there and see how we get on. But um, under any form of pressure, just weak as, weak as a weak, weak, weak thing. Mm. What about Nabrotsky? So obviously he's made headlines for the fact that he was your biggest signing of the summer, 4.3 million, I think. Um, bit of game time here, bit of game time there. Out injured, back in now to replace the, the injured Cameron Carter-Vickers. Culpable for the goal, I think, and we'll get to that. But what do you think overall? Is he is he going to be the answer? I said uh, when he made he came when he came back in that I thought his forward passing was really good. Um and not and not, I don't think there's many question marks over that part. But I always thought it was just a not a yard slow, but just not as sharp. He's physically very good, strong wise, you know, he, he doesn't lose many battles. But when he was faced up today. I worried. I worried straight away. I worried right away. We all know from watching Scottish football that Mioski's wanting that ball on the inside on his left foot. And he guides him that way. And he doesn't have the, the quickness of movement his feet to, to, to match Mioski's movement. Um, and because he was on a yellow card, it was a soft yellow, to be fair. He couldn't really engage him further up the park because he's obviously tried to kind of ghost him in. But, ah... Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a long-term answer. But then he's not. Again, he's probably not there to be our first choice centre half. Again, it's because Carter Vickers is, is injured, and that's probably why he finds himself playing. But then it begs the question: Why did we spend four point five million pound or whatever it was on him if he's not going to be playing? So they obviously have an idea that he's going to be playing. I just don't know for me if he's going to be the answer or not at this moment in time. I would say the the jury is still out and you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt of a, a run of games but yeah. definitely question marks for sure you're right but during those run of games there's always the opportunity for Celtic to lose points and that's that's what's happened today because you see from um, Paolo Bernardo you know he obviously you know has now featured for the last half dozen games or so and he's a guy that was very much on the sidelines you know fans are very unsure of him he gets a run of games and he can prove himself and that's great and I think so so today, but you can you can see there's a good player in there and a guy that Celtic might go on to sign permanently. The same might have to apply for Navrocki, but again, that's just what you get when you get when you buy project players, maybe players, 50-50 players, whatever term you want to use. And Navrocki's a 50-50 player. He might be great, he might not. We're going to need to give him half a dozen games to find out. And during that half a dozen games, Celtic will very possibly drop points that we can ill afford to lose. We're now, you know. As of this morning, we could have said we're in the driving seat. We're no longer in the box seat because Rangers now have the possibility to come and overtake us. And that is criminal. And, you know, the, the amount of points we've dropped as well, 
I defend Brendan Rodgers because I think he's a talented coach. I think he's, you know, he's proven as a winner here at Celtic. He knows the lie of the land. But he also has to, you know, take responsibility in many ways because I believe that he hasn't been supported in terms of summer window, January window. He's been unlucky with injury. Of course, he has Carla Vickers, uh, you know, being the latest. Rio Hattati's had an ongoing issue this season. Leah Labada, Maeda, Asian Cup stuff. All sorts of things have potentially hampered Brendan Rodgers. But even all that aside, so I'm certainly not making excuses for him because all that aside, Celtic should still be good enough to go and take care of business. And I know that's an Aberdeen who have just lost their manager and they've gone fairly defensive in the in the first half. They didn't have a touch in Celtic's box in the whole first half, which is mind-blowing. And they then come out the traps in the second. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm ranting a wee bit here, Brydon. I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. What was your general take from a football sense on the first half anyway? Yeah, I thought in the first half we looked okay. I mean, I'd say it was a, it was it was a decent performance up to a point, and and that point would essentially be when um, we kind of found ourselves in Aberdeen's halfway th- into their half, and uh, we kind of huffed and puffed a wee bit. Um, I just felt like uh, there was no width, or certainly not enough width, and when we did get it, we looked a wee bit more dangerous than we did before. Palmer was incredibly frustrating on a number of fronts. Um, He's always coming in on the inside when he could go on the outside. Um, his delivery from set pieces in that first half, as you can imagine, if they've not touched the ball in our box, we've had most of the ball, for all of the ball, and that most of it is in their half, we're going to have set pieces, free kicks, corners, whatever. And some of them are absolutely off the scale rubbish. Like, 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 like under 10s, I can't kick the ball hard enough type stuff. And then... Alistair Johnson, question marks over him this season. Like, not doing anything wrong, almost kind of, it just reminded me like a Mikael Lustig type. You know, I love Lustig, I need a job to do, because Tierney was getting wide on the left-hand side when he played. But nobody's, nobody's really doing that in this team. So Johnson should be charged with offering the width on the right-hand side, and I just felt like he wasn't doing that anywhere near enough. And if he did, it was too narrow, and he played it back inside. And he played it back inside to a, to a game where Aberdeen had like five five centre midfielders, I think, in the park at one stage. Um, and they wanted the ball in there. They were happy for that to happen because they knew if we put a cross into Kyogo, we're not going to cause them any trouble, really. So, yeah, I felt like um, good up until a point. But again, that would probably be what everybody, everybody, most fans will say about Roger's style. Possession, 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 possession. But just not that cutthroat, taking too long. O'Reilly, I thought, was poor today. Uh, Bernardo was iffy just nobody making those killer passes to be fair to them they were outnumbered in the middle but when they did have the opportunities to find some space they didn't do anywhere nearly enough with it um, and over over the course of a game if you don't do that the other team will take some form of energy from that and that's exactly what happened Aberdeen went in at half time and said look it's not been great but it's still nothing each go and win the second half um, or at worst, don't lose it, and that's essentially what they've done. So, um, no real threat from them, nothing to worry about. Um, but we didn't, we didn't take advantage of that dominance. And again, I think we, with the lack of um, the lack of uh, options on the bench, it then means at the later part of the game, you've not got the quality coming on to then maybe catch them when they're tired. It actually looked probably looked more likely that we were the ones that were tired because. We put so much effort into the game up until that point. 
Yeah, there was a situation just to, in terms of the subs and the options that Celtic have at this moment in time. There was times, certainly in Andrew's second season, when he you know had the squad he wanted, and you know for the most part we had good quality and good competition in all areas. And I, I debated, lightly debated, the fact that the five subs rule was almost unfair in Celtic's favour. Such was the the wealth of options we had. You could bring on international players for likewise and. Real quality across the board, times five, and Celtic were able to go and bury teams in the, the second half. Now I think you look at the options, I'm just going to read out the subs, uh, you know, and people can make up their own minds if we had the quality today in the bench. Scott Bain, forget it, right? So that's fine. James Forrest, Thiago Holm, Adam Ida, just in the door, Daniel Kelly, kid, Nicholas Kuhn, Tony Ralston, Rocco Vata, Stephen Welsh. Celtic used five of them. Today, so Adamida, who I thought done well, we'll maybe touch him. Nicholas Kuhn gets the goal. Tony Ralston, Rocco Vata, Stephen Welsh. Um, Vata might become a game changer, but the other guys aren't. And what Ange would do is he would replace five forward type players, you know, a couple of midfielders, a couple of wide guys and a striker. You'd have all that fresh energy going forward. Celtic now under Rodgers aren't doing that, and, and maybe because he doesn't have the, the resources to do so, I'd argue that's the main thing. But we've gone from that position where our strength as a squad and biggest club in the country and all that stuff allowed us to use 16 guys really, really well. Now we're going for a first 11 and when it's not working for the first 11, there's very little option. Now I get the fact that two subs combined for the goal, uh, but don't let that convince you that the, the signing policies worked wonders because it was Adam Ida feeding it to Nicholas Kuhn, but you can just see it. I'm just telling facts here. The strength and depth is nowhere near what it should be at this moment in time. Miles away. Absolutely miles away. But we'll talk about injuries and stuff. So, okay, so we're missing Maida and Hatati, who are obviously, we knew they were going to Japan in, or uh, the, the, the Asian Cup. So we knew that anyway. <laughs> it might have been worse if Kyogo got picked. So that'd be another problem. And obviously, injuries are part of the game. So Carter Vickers is injured, and we've had a couple in Iwata and a couple of others. So, but Celtic, over as long as I've ever watched them, I've, all, I've always had or moments where they've got players that they can bring off that bench that can change the game. And the two subs done well, the two new guys done well. I thought there was a good bit. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at that bench and I can't, I remember one hand how many times we've actually sat this season and went, oh, that's the bench looking a bit stronger now. Now, it's a bit of bad luck, yeah, but at the same time, you make your own luck. You make your own luck by having options. I'm a paying guys 30 grand a week, however it is, that James McCarthy's sitting down. He'd be zero, he thinks he sits in place FIFA every Saturday and pretends he's playing for Celtic. It's absolutely horrendous. Um, and throw in another 10 players who never actually have kept Lagrabielka. Doesn't make the squad today. It's just absolutely wild, man. It's mind wild. Blown. It is mind-blowing. And, and it's like, for, I, I dare say everyone that will watch this and ourselves that, you know, been involved in football, played football, some haven't ever played it, but they watch it, they're, you know, they're diehards, it's like, we're all invested in it, we're all invested emotionally, financially, we're all invested in it, and that, it's really, really hard to then take when it's just, in my opinion, it's sheer negligence, it is negligence, it's negligent what's going on, um, it's, we'll be okay, type attitude, oh, they're not that great, we'll probably win anyway, type stuff. It's a nonsense. We only play them another twice. Yeah. And not to look at them. 
you know, we're, they're all going to play the same teams. And we've got a run of fixtures that's not great. There's the first one, two points dropped. Somebody said to me, oh, it might be a, might be a good point one. Back away and boil your heat, man. It's not absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. It's a good point one. They're, they're, not, they're supporting the wrong club. I think that it's not a good point one. It's two shocking ones dropped. They've no manager, for God's sake. Like, just, it's just not great. And I don't see where the positive energy comes from. And it's just bizarre, actually, where we talked about Maida. Like, without him in the team, with that dodgy spell, he came back, we started to look good. He goes away again, we look dodgy again. And the thing is, technically, he's not that great a football player, but he's obviously, he's obviously affecting the way we play. Or is yeah. it Palmer? Well, you've got you've got Matt. So Matt from the show, he's he said on several occasions now, and he agrees with you. You know the madness of Maeda. You don't know what you're getting at different times, yeah. but Celtic are a different animal with them without him. He clearly provides such a good job in terms of closing down from the front, pressing high up the park, and allowing Celtic to win the ball back in key areas. We know his quality is fifty fifty when he gets it. Sometimes great, sometimes nonsense. But we know what he does from a, a defensive point of view. And Celtic's defending starts with Eyes Maeda. And it's everything else back from that. But overall, Bridal, it's it just gross mismanagement of the squad. And as I say, Brendan Rodgers is culpable for a lot of things. But it's not his fault that he he looks out today and that's what he's got to choose from. But you would still argue the 19, 20 bodies available to Celtic today are better than the 19 bodies available to Aberdeen. A couple of things as well. You mentioned just a wee bit earlier on about you know, Aberdeen busy in the midfield, potentially five centre midfielders in there at one point and they were just overloading that area. You know, such as they're wanting, if they want to play that way, they're, they're absolutely entitled to do so. But if that's the case, if people are, you know, playing low blocks and, and very defence-minded, it means there's a freedom elsewhere. If they're busy up the midfield, they need to concede in the wide areas or, or elsewhere in the park. And it's up to Celtic to have the savvy to exploit that. And that starts from Brendan Rodgers seeing that, you know, seeing where the gaps are and communicating that to his team, particularly through his his captain and midfield general, Callum McGregor, who should then be able to identify it. And it does look like there's a, a lack of inspiration, Bridal, from a playing point of view. You know, a lot going on off the park, but on the park today, huffing and puffing, you know, throwing the ball into the box in the last six minutes, hoping for a break from a corner. Nothing incisive. You didn't pepper Kel Roos with shots, did we? Nah. Nah, not, not anywhere near... I'd... The for like we said in the first half the dominance we had and then the second half I, I don't like using the phrase like the midfield went missing but see for large parts of that second half they did every single second ball was Connor Barron the boy Clarkson when he came on Ed Shinney they were winning that second ball first and second ball to be fair and then when they won it Miofsky was working hard to get in front of their defenders and it, it bought them it bought them time and it bought them um, possession higher up the park. And then that actually, then we, we, we didn't really deal with it very well. Like, we just didn't. Cal McGregor, with that, used to controlling games of football. He did not do that in the second half. He did not do it. And we, without Cal McGregor doing that, we are a very, very average team. He's the player that makes it tick and, you know, or gets it to that point. You're absolutely right. If they congest the midfield, which they did, then we should have more opportunities out wide. But there's no point in us giving the ball to Palmer if he keeps going back inside anyway. We we, we killed teams under Ange by getting early low crosses across the box from wide areas. 
Look at all of Kyogo's goals. I reckon about 80%, 85% are across the front of a defender and scoring goals. I don't know how many own goals we, we, we got because the ball's like that. Now, Palmer put one across in the first half and it was a brilliant ball. I'm criticising his delivery, but he puts a great ball across where he doesn't beat the boy McKenzie at left back. He just whips it in and it goes between and that, that, un, uh, that kind of corridor, right? right? Puts it in and there's nobody there. And, you know, Sutton's saying, why is there nobody there? I can tell you why nobody's there. Because nobody's expecting him to do it. He's not done it for, like, five months. And yeah. if you're Kyogre, you're like, no chance I'm going in there. Because he never, he just checks back all the time. Mikey Johnson was the exact same. It's just, it's, it, be brave, take him on, deliver the ball. The worst you'll always get normally is a corner. Just keep doing it. And maybe your fullback, like Alistair Johnson, like I said earlier, Maybe he can bail you out a wee bit and maybe he can give you an overlap. But not an overlap when he's like two feet away from you with the, with the same player can actually close down both. I'm talking properly stretch them. And it didn't do that. The second half started and Alistair Johnson, the first thing he'd done was actually bomb down that right-hand side, almost as if Rodgers has told him, you need to do more out wide. And then he hurt himself. Mm. <laughs> it's just... It's in Burnaby, you know, I think he put one decent ball across as well, but one decent ball doesn't get you off the hook for the absolute murder scenes that you've seen elsewhere in the game. Yeah. What you, can, what you can also see from a, a Kyogo point of view, to your point, Kyogo will and probably is exasperated by making that run time after time after time, all season long, and not getting it. And eventually, <laughs> as it's human nature, to go, well, that's not working, I'll need to try something else. And as the game goes on, particularly when, when Adam Ida comes on, Kyogo's, Kyogo's picking the ball up near the halfway line sometimes and driving into the box. There was, there was one where he was fairly unlucky, he drove into the box, beat a couple of men. But that's not Kyogo's game. Kyogo's game, we used to rave about it in the Ange times. It was just one touch finish. Just find him in an area, he'll not even take a touch to control it, he'll just divert it into the goals. And that was that was his expertise. What I'll do just to... Uh, Say folk are tuning in on the live. Thanks, of course, for uh, tuning in as always. We're going to be on for another 10 ish minutes, 10 to maybe 15 minutes. So if you do have any specific questions for us, please let us know. I know there's a lot of a lot of anger, a lot of unrest, and I, I can totally uh buy into that. It's exactly how we're feeling. But if you do have anything specific you want to ask, let me and Brido know and we'll try our best to cover that. Um let's let's just get to those key moments of the second half, Brido. So we're not long in and Majovsky gets the goal. We've touched on it earlier in the piece here. But it's it's Mike Navrocki's job, of course, to defend that first and foremost. Primarily, he's got to defend that situation. But he's also, I think there's an onus on players to study the opposition. And as you've leaned towards, he's got to know that that's where Majowski goes. Majowski strongly, strongly favours his left foot. He's begging to try and find that, that half yard on his left where he can curl it and put it exactly where he put it. If you're a centre-half that, that, that knows your opposition and knows them well, you just force him into his right-hand side and say, what you got? I'll put you on your right. If you want to try and snap a shot with your right, I know it's going to be nowhere near as effective as your left, so let's see what you've got. And I thought he tied Navarocchi in knots. I think he probably had to untangle his legs by the end of it. He was all over the place. And it was just good from my office point of view, cheap from Celtic. Yeah, it's it's just not it's not really it's just not a good defensive play. Um he it's also the options he has before it gets to that stage. I mean he can get tighter to him and, and, and not allow him to run at him. Or, when he does, he's got to shoehorn him into a place where he feels safe, i.e. away from the goal, and off his stronger foot. Just doesn't do it. 
I mean, and prior to that, we know that it comes from Bernabe and Bernardo. You know, it's not a good ball. And then you watch that. It, it, to be fair, because Celtic have got the ball in the in their half and there's a fullbacks up there, it leaves them very exposed. Scales is actually further up the park as well. He sprints back to try and cut off the pass, uh, the square pass. But yeah, it's just it's it's a collective shambles, an only shambles, some would say. And then individually, Navrojski doesn't cover himself in glory. But I will say, you know, listen, Mioski's a good striker. I mean, he many strikers might get onto his left foot and not tuck it away. It's mm. a really good finish, to be fair to the guy and. I've seen him doing it countless times now, but um, yeah, I've just seen some of the comments and I don't know what his value would be, but we didn't even test Aberdeen's resolve. That's that's the most annoying part for me. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's just decision-making. <laughs> decision-making from one pass from Bernardo to then the decision-making collectively, the decision-making from the defender and then decision-making for the club to, to not actually get the guy scored against us. In, in the door and maybe perhaps helping us win a title. That's what it is. I mentioned this last week with Paddy, I think it was. Uh, choices and poor choices on and off the park from Celtic are, are costing us dearly. Um, Frank in the comments, Frank always joins in. Um, and it's, it's he who suggests that Majewski's not worth anything like what Aberdeen are looking for. The chat is around about four million. Frank thinks he's not even worth two. I, I would disagree wholeheartedly. The guy's now scored 19 goals for what is a limited Aberdeen side. They're hovering somewhere around about mid-table. If you can do that to Aberdeen, think about what you could do at Celtic or another club. And I think he's, in this day and age, I think he's worth a four million punt. I really do. But listen, we need to move on from Majovski. As you know, Brido, as, as we see in a lot of you know games of football, stats and possession and efforts on goal, fine, all good. You know, they've got their place. But goals change games. They are the ultimate stat. And there's no doubt, you know, Aberdeen, they probably get in at half time and thought to themselves, that wasn't great, but it's still as you were. You know, it's still exactly uh, level pegging here. Let's see what we've got. And they definitely come out live there. They got their goal. And that's like a huge lift. You know, they got some decent players there. Clarkson, Connor Barron, Shinny, certainly Majowski. Uh, and they started to believe in themselves, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And then what that then does is it, it allows them to play on the front foot. So prior to their goal, we were, we were playing into their hands, if you like. So... I'm all for playing the ball at the back and building up, and that's okay. But see if Joe Hart's got to pass the ball out to, let's say, Scales. And in the same passage of play, the ball ends up back at Joe Hart's feet two or three times, almost on the goal line, on his left foot. And the ball goes out for a throw-in, or the ball goes, he scuffed once nearly straight to the, to the Aberdeen player and whatever. Then all that does is it allows their crowd to get up, get behind their team, and push them on. And that's what they've done. And any time they got it, they knew they could hurt Celtic today. And they did, you know. And uh, at one stage or another, there's a couple of scrambles in the box, which could have been, I thought it was going to be 2 nothing. I, th- I could just, I had that feeling it was just, it's just not going for us. And, you know, I could see it just developing into an absolute shambles. But uh, when you're away from home at these stadiums and with these fans, the idea is that you just keep them quiet and frustrate them and keep moving the ball and do what we did in the first half. And we didn't. And we played right in their hands and uh, allowed their midfield to take control of the game. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, yeah, we're probably actually fortunate to end up with a drawn in the end. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that. Some 
some big moments from Joe Hart, but in terms of the playing out for the back, I'm all for that. I think it's the I think it's the right way to play, and you can see through Ange and various others in the modern game that it just allows you to, you know, just draw in your draw in your opponent, and if you're smart enough and composed enough, you can then play between the lines and get a, a numerical advantage. But you're absolutely spot on, Bridal. If it ends up back at Joe Hart, that means something's gone wrong when it's got to Scales and then it's got to Burnaby or it's gone over to Navarocchi and Johnson. That somebody somewhere hasn't shown, you know, whether it's your midfielder, one of your wide guys, or even your striker. If these guys are getting the ball and the option isn't on it and they have to go back to Joe Hart, and you understand sometimes it might go back to goalie once, but if it's twice and three times, it tells you somebody's not doing their job off the ball. It tells you they're either not working hard enough or smart enough whether that's through their own volition or the coach, you know, Brendan Rodgers hasn't said to them where they need to be. But something's wrong if you're having to go back to the goalie two and three times in that build-up. Um, Joe, Hart's, Joe Hart's kicking is what it is. We know that it's not spot on. It's fine if he's only making 10, 12, 15-yard passes. But when he's under pressure and there's a, you know, a high press against him, he often shells it out the park. And as you say, the home crowd get right up for that and it just plays right in other hands. Um Celtic have got the equaliser. And as I say, you could argue that it's a it's a Mark Lowell masterclass as Adam Eda lays it into Nicholas Kuhn's path. I thought Kuhn, Kuhn looked lively initially and then kind of was a wee bit ineffective towards the end of the game, if truth be told. He was showing up for it well enough, but not enough happening. But on the occasion for the goal, he's worked it into the box. It's been a wee bit scrappy. It's broke to Adam Eda and he said just the, the composure. And that's what it is across the, the board, you know. If you're going to snatch at things in any area of the park, you're going to struggle. But either had the composure in the split second just to roll it out, you know, his left-hand side. Couldn't get a fortunate break, but you've got a, you know, kind of win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket and all that. He's got the strike on goal. And you think at that point, it's 68 minutes, Brido, 22 minutes plus injury to go and really take it to Aberdeen. But actually, as you say, it wasn't Celtic that looked more likely the scoring. And if not for Joe Hart doing what he does best in terms of one-on-ones, you might have been down the road with zero points, let alone one. Yeah, I mean, it's the most frustrating thing, you know. And I I accept a lot of the arguments. Like, so Joe Hart, when he makes those saves, if we had a guy who makes the saves like that, that he does, and then his kicking's brilliant, then he's not at Celtic because we won't pay the money for a goalkeeper that's got those attributes. Um, the substitutes, like you said, and the goal, I thought uh, he'd uh, done really, really well. I thought I didn't think he put a foot wrong. Um, he's, and, and by the way, that wasn't the only kind of nice touch that he that he had in the game. Yeah. Um, Kuhn, I so he's playing in that right wing position, and it adds to the problem I see us having. So if you're Brendan Rodgers and you're looking at it, you know, like they want to congest the game, right? That that they're playing that way. They've got very kind of physical fullbacks as well. They're not fast, you know. I like the boy McKenzie at left back, but they're not fast, you know. They're not going to do anything going forward that much. So they'll congest it and they'll say, you know what, beat us. Beat us. Now, we kept... Kuhn scores his goal from the right wing position and essentially the inside left channel because he's came in the park. Now, he makes a good run, obviously, whatever else. But that's not really where we were scoring goals like the last few years. Abada was scoring goals at the back post when he was a right winger. Um, Maida was scoring goals at the back post as a left winger. But our, our, our wingers are, are tucking inside and they're just congesting the area. Now, we got the goal from it. And like you said, to be composed, good. I thought he looked okay in the ball. The good thing was he was shown for the ball. He didn't. He wasn't hiding from it. 
but a lot of time he kept dropping the shoulder, came inside the park, and the only real pass he had on was a pass inside to Matt O'Reilly or Callum mm. McGregor, and that isn't getting us goals. That's that's not that's not penetrating, and it's the same problem as we did in the first half. The only difference being that we didn't have all the ball and we didn't dominate the game. And yes, we got the goal, but fair play to the, the guys coming on. It's not an easy game to come on. I thought they'd done all right. Um, and like you said, played, both of them played their part in the goal. It certainly doesn't vindicate any transfer policy. Absolutely not. But I'm, I, I do want to touch on the, the either thing regarding the, the kind of response he's had. Yes. I don't think it's anywhere near fair to call him a, a Norwich reject. He's mm-hmm. 22 years of age. And he's put, oh, he's played 112 games. Well, how many 22-year-olds have played 100 and odd games for a a club in either the English Championship and playing international football. You know, obviously people see something in the in the guy. So I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Chris Sutton or anything like that. But let's come on. He's, he's not he's not a Norwich reject. That's yeah. not fair. I, I mean I, I called for a bit of um support for him and I and I think listen I, most um Sensible thinking supporters will be fully behind the guy, and it's not fair to put the frustrations of the the transfer window on his young shoulders. He's just a young footballer trying to make his way and do his job. There was a debate. I seen something on you know doing the rounds last night. I, I automatically assumed that Norwich had somehow hoodwinked Celtic to get Sydney Van Hooydonk, and we in turn fell down the pecking order and thought, well, we can't get Van Hooydonk, but now Norwich have got a surplus striker, so we get the <laughs> the leftovers, and we get uh, Adam Ida. So that was my thinking of what had gone on. Somebody flipped on his head and suggested, and I think it might have been a Norwich fan, suggested that Celtic had identified Ida as the guy they want, as the preferred striker. Celtic, you know, I spoke to Anthony Joseph from Sky Sports yesterday, and that full episode's out now for anyone that wants to tune in. He says there was no approach made from Celtic to Bologna. And how Donk, senior and junior, were desperate from, for Celtic to come in and we never did. Now, you could sell a debate why that is, but it seems that Celtic have had a look at Sidney Van Houdon, thought he's not the right option, and actually, Adam Ida is the preferred option. I don't know how true that is or not, and Celtic will never come out and reveal the, the ins and outs of, of why certain deals come to fruition and why some didn't. But Adam Ida, for his time on the part today, was very effective. I don't think he gave it away once. He had a couple of wee flicks. He set up the goal. He's a presence. He's a worker. He was working into the channels. I like him. I think he might come good. He's only going to be a Celtic till the end of the season. Uh, but it looks like he'll have a part to play, Brido. And I think, listen, we're in a, an afternoon of, of negatives here and, and for good reason. But you've got to pluck out the positives as well. And I thought the kid done all right. Yeah, he did. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's all right being, you know, I suppose we're not, it ends up being negative because we're we're picking faults and stuff. That's that's what we're here to do. We're looking at the game and, and, and the club as a whole. But the touches he had, it wasn't just for the goal. He put one of the, it was a beautiful cushion pass into O'Reilly. Uh, the one I think he hits the post, um, and a few other wee touches. And he dropped deep and he looked. He didn't you know look composed in the ball. So yeah, listen, they need to give these guys a chance, but. They aren't the bracket we're talking about, let's be honest. Um, unless, of course, he's been picked from months ago and all of a sudden the chance comes to get the guy that they've, they've wanted or they think he's got the most promise. I don't believe that. But um, And how it all came about, I don't really care anymore because it's just a pantomime. So we've got him now. He's playing there for six months-ish. Yeah, I think, 
I think on what we've seen today in a really difficult game, really congested area, like I said, he looked composed and he looked like he knew what he was doing. And uh, yeah, I think I, I would like to see a bit more of him, to be fair. Um, and uh, maybe maybe that's what they're going to do if we've not got the midfielders to do the job. Kyogo drops deeper and we play essentially with a, a number 10 in Kyogo and a number 9 in Ida. So um, if, the question marks are all over the place because nobody actually knows anything. We don't know. He'd probably be playing left back on Wednesday. I mean, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> it sure is. But I think from Ida's point of view, you're absolutely right. He's 22 years of age, several caps for his country, scored against the Netherlands and other things. He's got three international goals, um, over 100 appearances in senior football. Must be doing something right that he's managed to, to fool all these people into playing him over 100 times. So I think we need to be patient, but I understand. The frustration is not really Adam either. It's the, the bigger picture. Right, I'm going to wrap things up with two two questions or, or one more of a statement than a question. comes from the Prophet and the comments. Prophet was a bit lively in the comments yesterday. We put the uh, the Anthony Joseph episode out and he was, he was a bit bold in the comments, but good lad and, and always seems to comment on what we do. And he says, listen to my words, Celtic will still win the league. So first of all, your take on that. I, I would certainly, and I did say it, you know, over the last week or so, I still felt confident that Celtic were, were going to do so. And as I say, at that time, we were in the driving seat. But as a look at they still cast doubt, doesn't it? It just makes you think what's going to, you know, what's going to come of us over the next, let me think now, we've played 24 of 38, so 14 games to go. Um, again, the Profits camp, do you think we're still good to go? Yeah, because still win the league, but it's not because we're good. We'll win the league because the other team aren't very good. Like, that's, it's... <laughs> one of the worst Celtic squads I've seen for ages. We will not win the league because we are romping it and, and and deserving of it, if you like. We'll win it because the other team can't go over the line. And right now, with the fixture list that we've got compared to their fixture list, if we go into the game at Ibrox, we, <laughs> we could be five points behind at the end of it if they beat us. We'll have no fans there. Their tails will be up. They'll know if they win that. They're five points ahead. I think they'll only be six games left. Hmm. I mean, do you, do you they're, think... They're, they'll, be clinging, they'll be saying we can cling onto that. Yeah. And the pressure... The pressure of, uh, not necessarily being the best team, but being the least worst. Uh, you know, as yeah. it happens, you know this. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think yeah. and by the way, if they win the league as well, it's not because they're any good. It's because both teams are an absolute embarrassment. Yeah, and they are. Great. No, There's a, another comment in that area. My apologies. Uh, I don't know the, the Gaelic pronunciation of the name, but the question is, does that squad and management team win every remaining game? It looks like we'll have to play injured players also in the shape of Matt O'Reilly and Alistair Johnson. You can't see them winning every game just now, Brido. As I mentioned, 14 games to go. We're at Easter Road next. I'm there during the week. I don't know if you're going. Um, I might phone in sick. <laughs> I don't know, but we're, we're going there during the week. And Brendan Rodgers does not have a good record at Easter Road, so let alone winning the next 14 games, including two games v Rangers, you actually couldn't guarantee Celtic win the next game, could you? <laughs> That's what they just said. Can they, can they see the management team winning every every remaining game this season? I don't think we can win every remaining game this week, <laughs> let alone the season. I'm honestly, I, I'm, and I'm a glass half full person in most things. Especially honestly, it's just... I mean, the timing of everything as well. Hattati's injury, Carter Vickers' injury, the transfer window. That could have been spun to be a positive because they got reinforcements in it and they got us through this period. And once you get through the heavy period of games, 
the other team have to play harder games, and if you put the pressure on them, then great. By today, and probably other results to come, we'll, um, we'll, we'll take the pressure off them, and they can then go and do it. I'd like to see us, you know, keep the pressure on and, and, and win all the remaining games and whatever, but or certainly up to the split, or up to Ibrox, even up to Ibrox, and then put the pressure on. But if they've got, if they if they can lose that game and still be ahead in the league, then they'll they, they'll go into that with a bit more freedom, and we'll go into that saying if we lose this, we're probably losing the league and the Champions League and all that comes with it. So, uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> Brido, you, you're the guy I usually speak to when I want to feel better about Celtic. Oh, <laughs> That's not quite not I'm the same as you. I, you know, I'm optimist generally speaking glass half full when it comes to Celtic and try to find the positives but we've got to be real about it as well you know in terms of what we do at the Celtic Exchange we've got to uh, be real on what we're all seeing uh, and we'll always give our honest opinions and the hope is that you're you know you're giving more honest opinions on positive happenings but when the negative things occur and you'd have to argue the last few days have been a riot for Celtic on and off the park and you've got to call it out you've got to address it and we're seeing the various comments thanks you know sincerely to all the comments there's loads of comments flooding in um, and we don't have time to catch you anymore today, unfortunately. We could go on all day, Brido. I'm sure you and I could sit till, till whenever, uh, you know, green and moan about this, but we do need to wrap up at this point. So your final comments, Brido, uh, with regard to today's disappointing draw against Aberdeen. It's not a surprise today, and it's the worst possible... Um, well, it's not the worst we could have lost, but it's one of the worst possible scenarios. We've got tough games coming up. Um we need, really needed to get a win to kind of galvanise and maybe create some positivity to get a hard fixture out the way with three points. We didn't do that. Um, as a club, we have more questions than answers. Uh, and in fact, we've got more questions than answers than we did prior to the transfer window. Um, we're definitely weaker. Uh, it'll be too late for the return of the injuries for Hatati and Carter Vickers um, as it stands at the minute unless we find a way of winning games ugly because we're not going to win them the so-called Celtic way um, with the team and the, the squad that we've managed to, I'll say disassemble, that's how I'd say it, we've managed to disassemble the squad uh, to where we are now. And that's on more than one person. Uh, it's a collective. Um, and it's ruined my Saturday. It's ruined my Sunday. It'll ruin my Monday and my Tuesday and then <laughs> I'll get optimistic for Wednesday and then just hope we can get over the line. But that's a tough fixer. They've added some players as well. So, um, yeah, have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> I was going to say, Reverend I am jolly. You've absolutely killed my Saturday night, Brido. Um, but it is what it is. Roll on Wednesday. We'll come back with renewed optimism. Um, so yeah, so disappointing. It's, you know, the first opportunity after the window for Celtic to, to prove where they're at. You know, we know what the, the squad's going to be between now and the end of the season. And we've fallen at the first hurdle. You know, it's a, a crucial two points dropped. Could have been three drops, so small positive in that. But we need to look forward. So the next game now, Wednesday, Easter Road against Hibs becomes huge. And they're all huge, Bridal. 14 games to go. Everyone a cup final, to use that cliche. Uh, we'll be back, as always, on Monday night with the Celtic Exchange Weekly. We'll cover this and much more. Uh, detail. But in the meantime, for myself and Bridal, thanks to everyone for tuning in the live. We really appreciate the comments. Thanks to everyone who's listening in podcast format as well. Uh, do your best to enjoy Saturday night as best as you possibly can. And we'll see you all again very soon.
Podcast Network.